This is a sports team histories podcast. In this podcast, I provide a brief history of major professional sports teams across different sports. Today's episode features the San Diego Padres. The origin of the Padres name is actually quite an interesting story. The team took the name from a team playing in the Pacific Coast League who had been there since 1936. While many people associate famous player Ted Williams with the San Diego Padres, it was actually with the PCL Padres that he won a title in 1937 at the age of 18. More specifically, the term Padres refers to the Spanish Franciscan Friars who founded San Diego in 1769. In 1969, the Padres joined the ranks of Major League Baseball as one of four new expansion teams, along with the Montreal Expos, now the Washington Nationals the Kansas City Royals, and the Seattle Pilots, now the Milwaukee Brewers. C.M. Holt-Smith, a prominent San Diego businessman and former owner of the PCL Padres, was the original owner. A well-rounded man, Smith was interested in banking, tuna fishing, hotels, real estate, and owned an airline. The San Diego Padres did not share in the success that the PCL Padres had at their inception. They finished in last place in each of their first six seasons in the NL West losing 100 games or more four times. Before the 1974 season began, the Padres were on the verge of being sold to Joseph Danzansky, who was planning to move the franchise to Washington, D.C. in time for the upcoming season. New uniforms were designed for the team, which was planning to be renamed to the Washington Stars. Given the uncertain status of the Padres, the famous trading card company Topps printed two sets of baseball cards for the team, splitting production between one set with San Diego and Padres as banners, and another with Washington and National League. However, the sale to Danzaski became tied up in lawsuits, and Smith instead sold the team to McDonald's co-founder Ray Kroc for $12 million, saving baseball forever in San Diego. In his first home game as a Padres new owner in 1974, Ray Kroc grabbed the public address system microphone and apologized to fans for the poor performance of the team, saying, quote, I have never seen such stupid ball playing in my life. At the same time, a streaker raced across the field, eluding security personnel. Kroc shouted, quote, throw him in jail, end quote. The following season, 1975, would be the first season that the Padres would not finish in the National League West cellar. They finished second to last, and brought the promise of an owner who would make the necessary change to the organization. Nate Colbert is one of two Major League Baseball players, Stan Musial is the other, to have hit five home runs in a doubleheader, a feat he accomplished as a Padre. He collected 13 RBIs in that doubleheader, still a Major League record. Although the Padres continued to struggle after Colbert's departure via trade to the Detroit Tigers in 1974, they did feature star outfielder Dave Winfield, who came to the Padres in 1973 from the University of Minnesota without having played a single game in the minor leagues. Winfield was also drafted by the Minnesota Vikings of the National Football League, the Atlanta Hawks of the National Basketball Association, and the Utah Stars of the American Basketball Association. Talk about well-rounded. Winfield took over where Colbert left off, starring in the Padres outfield from 1973 until 1980 when he joined the New York Yankees. In seven seasons, Winfield played in 1,117 games for San Diego and collected 1,134 hits, 154 home runs, and drove in 626 runs. 
But most importantly, he helped the team out of the National League West basement for the first time in 1975 under the guidance of manager John McNamara, who took over the club at the start of the 74 season. Winfield's emergence as a legitimate star coincided with the turnaround of a promising young left-handed pitcher named Randy Jones, who had suffered through 22 losses in 1974. Jones became the first San Diego pitcher to win 20 games in 1975, going 20-12 and 37 outings as the Padres finished in 4th place with a 71-91 record, 37 games behind the Cincinnati Reds. Jones won 22 games in 1976, winning the Cy Young Award in the process, another franchise first. The club set a new high with 73 wins, but fell to 5th place. Jones slipped to 6-12 in 1977, and not even the acquisition of Raleigh Fingers could help the Padres escape the bottom half of the division. Only Winfield and fellow outfielder George Hendrick cracked the 20-homer barrier, and the pitching staff was filled with a group of unknowns and youngsters, few of whom would enjoy much success at the major league level. The 1978 season brought hope to baseball fans in San Diego thanks to the arrival of a young shortstop named Ozzy Smith who arrived on the scene and turned the baseball world on its ears with an acrobatic style that redefined how the position should be played in the field. The Padres hosted the All-Star Game that summer. The National League won the contest 7-3 thanks to an MVP performance by Los Angeles Dodgers first baseman Steve Garvey, who would play a crucial role for San Diego in the not-too-distant future. Winfield and Fingers represented the team at that game, but conspicuously absent was starting pitcher Gaylord Perry, who joined the Padres after spending three years with the Texas Rangers. At 39 years of age and coming off a 15-14 and 14 season with Texas, little was expected of him. All Perry did that summer was post a 21-6 record and a 2.73 earned run average, edging Montreal's Ross Grimsley to earn the Padres' second Cy Young Award in three seasons. San Diego also picked up another first that summer, compiling an 84-78 and 78 mark for manager Roger Craig, the only time in 10 seasons that the team finished a season with a winning percentage above 500. The good times did not last. As the Padres closed out the decade with another losing season in 1979, a 68-93 record that cost Craig his job. Winfield was a lone bright spot, leading the National League with 118 RBIs. The good times continued to fade out as Winfield signed a 10-year contract with the New York Yankees after the 1980 season. The 1984 season began with a shock. Ray Kroc died of heart disease on January 14th. Ownership of the team passed to his third wife, Joan Kroc. The team would wear Ray's initials, R-A-K, on their jersey's left sleeve during the entire season, as well as the 1985 and 1986 seasons. Fortunately, happier times were ahead for the team. The Padres finished at 92-70 in 1984 and won the National League West Championship, despite having no players with 100 RBI and only two batters with 20 home runs. They were managed by Dick Williams and had an offense that featured veterans Steve Garvey, Gary Templeton, Craig Nettles, Alan Wiggins, as well as Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn, who captured his first of what would be eight National League batting championships that year. He also would win in 1987 through 89 and from 94 to 97. Gwynn shares a National League record with Honus Wagner. 
Gwynn, who also would win five National League Gold Gloves during his career, joined the Padres in 1982 following starring roles in both baseball and basketball at San Diego State University. He still holds the school record for career basketball assists. And after having been selected in the previous year by both the Padres in the baseball draft and by the then San Diego Clippers in the National Basketball Association draft. The Padres pitching staff in 1984 featured Eric Snow, Ed Whitson, Mark Thurman, Tim Lawler, and Rich Goose Gossage as their closer. In the 1984 NLCS, the Padres faced the NL East champion Chicago Cubs, who were making their first postseason appearance since 1945 and featured NL Most Valuable Player Ryan Sandberg and Cy Young Award winner Rick Sutcliffe. The Cubs would win the first two games at Wrigley Field and were less than two innings away from a series sweep when their luck changed. The Padres swept the final three games at the then San Diego Jack Murphy Stadium. The highlight arguably being Steve Garvey's dramatic game-winning home run off of Lee Smith in Game 4 to win the 1984 National League pennant. Gossage, a former New York Yankee, said the San Diego crowd at Game 3 was the loudest crowd I've heard anywhere. Gwyn agreed as well. Jack Murphy Stadium played Cub Busters, a parody of the theme song from the 1984 movie Ghostbusters. Cub Busters t-shirts inspired from the movie were popular attire for Padres fans. In the 1984 World Series, the Padres faced the powerful Detroit Tigers, who steamrolled through the regular season with 104 victories, and had started out with a 35-5 record, the best ever through the first 40 games. The Tigers were managed by Sparky Anderson, and featured shortstop and native San Diegan Alan Trammell and outfielder Kirk Gibson, along with Lance Parrish and designated hitter Darrell Evans. The pitching staff was bolstered by ace Jack Morris, Dan Petrie, Mitt Wilcox, and closer Willie Hernandez. Jack Morris would win games 1 and 4, and the Tigers would go on to win the series 4 games to 1. Reporter Barry Bloom of MLB.com wrote in 2011 that, quote, the postseason in 84 is still the most exciting week of Major League Baseball ever played in San Diego, end quote. After the Padres won the pennant in 1984, they had some tough times. Tony Gwynn continued to win batting titles, including batting 394 in 1994. The Padres would come close in 1985. They would field eight All-Stars, manager Dick Williams, Tony Gwynn, Greg Needles, Rich Gossage, Terry Kennedy, Gary Templeton, Steve Garvey, and Lamar Hoyt at the 1985 All-Star game in Minnesota. However, they collapsed at the end of the season finishing tied for third with the Houston Astros behind the Los Angeles Dodgers and Cincinnati Reds. Williams was let go as manager just before 1986 spring training. His record with the Padres was 337 and 311 over four seasons. As of 2011, he was the only manager in the team's history without a losing season. His difficulties with the Padres stemmed from a power struggle with team president Ballard Smith and general manager Jack McKean. Late in the 1986 season, Gossage was suspended and then reinstated with a $25,000 fine for behavior not in the best interest of the team. Gossage said that Smith wants choir boys and not winning players, and that Smith just listens to what mom says, a reference to the Padres owner Croc, Smith's mother-in-law. Gossage also said Croc was poisoning the world with their cheeseburgers. He later apologized to McDonald's, which Gossage said his family would continue to frequent. In 1987, rookie catcher Benito Santiago hit in 34 straight games, 
earning him the NL Rookie of the Year award. However, the Padres finished dead last in 1987 thanks to the managing of the tempestuous Larry Boa. The next season, rookie second baseman Roberto Alomar would make his debut, forming a double play combination with veteran shortstop Gary Templeton. During the 1988 season, Boa was replaced by Jack McKean and the Padres won 83 games, finishing in third place. Team president Chubb Feeney resigned after giving the finger to fans carrying a sign reading, quote, Scrub Chubb, end quote, on Fan Appreciation Night. In 1989, the Padres finished 89-73 and 73, thanks to Cy Young award-winning closer Mark Davis. Between 1989 and 1990, friction dominated the Padres clubhouse as Tony Gwynn had constant shouting matches with slugger Jack Clark. But as a franchise player, Gwynn prevailed as Clark finished his career with the Red Sox. Midway through the 1990 season, John Kroc wanted to sell the team, but she wanted a commitment to San Diego, so Kroc said it to television producer Tom Warner. Just under six weeks into his new ownership role, Warner attempted to cross-promote the team with one of the television series in between games of a twine-night doubleheader versus the Cincinnati Reds at Jack Murphy Stadium on July 25, 1990. On an evening billed as Working Women's Night at the ballpark, he had invited Roseanne Barr, the eponymous star of one of his sitcoms, to perform the star-sprangled banner. She comically sang the national anthem with a loud, screechy voice. After finishing her rendition, she grabbed her crotch and spat at the ground in an attempt to parody baseball players. The publicity stunt was met with condemnation from baseball fans, sports writers, and even the president, some of whom called it either the, quote, bar-mangled banner, end quote, or the, quote, bar-strangled banner, end quote. Under Warner, the old brown that remained in Padres' uniform since their inception was supplanted by navy blue a nod to the vintage 1940s PCL franchise colors. A trade was also made with the Toronto Blue Jays, where Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar were traded for Fred McGriff and Tony Fernandez. In 1992, the Padres lineup featured the four tops, Gary Sheffield, Fred McGriff, Tony Fernandez, and Tony Gwynn. However, Fernandez would go to the New York Mets, McGriff went to the division-winning Atlanta Braves, and Sheffield would go to the expansion Florida Marlins. Although extremely unpopular at the time, it was a Sheffield trade that brought in pitcher Trevor Hoffman who was virtually unknown to Padres fans. While Sheffield led Florida to a world championship in 1997, Hoffman would be the next franchise player behind Dave Winfield and Tony Gwynn. The Padres would finish dead last in the strike short in 1994 season, but Gwynn hit 394 that year, the most since Ted Williams hit over 400 in 1941. After that season, the Padres made a mega trade with Houston, reeling in Ken Caminiti, Steve Finley, and others. In November 1995, Kevin Towers was promoted from scouting director to general manager. 1996, under new owner John Moores, a software tycoon who purchased controlling ownership in the team in 1994 from Tom Warner, who subsequently formed a syndicate that purchased the Boston Red Sox, and team president Larry Lucino, and with a team managed by former Padres catcher Bruce Bochy, a member of the 1984 NL Championship squad, the team won the NL West in an exciting race, sweeping the Los Angeles Dodgers at Dodger Stadium in the final series of the regular season. The 96 team featured Gwynn, who won a 7th National League batting championship. 
National League MVP Ken Caminiti, Premier leadoff hitter Ricky Henderson, pitcher Fernando Valenzuela, first baseman Wally Joyner, and outfielder Steve Finley. The Padres had led the NL West early in the season only to falter in June, but came back in July and battled the Dodgers the rest of the way. However, they were defeated in the National League Division Series by the Tony La Russa-led St. Louis Cardinals, three games to zero. The Padres suffered an off year in 1997, plagued by a pitching slump. The one silver lining was Tony Gwynn's eighth and final National League batting title, won in the final days of the season after a down-of-the-wire duel with the Colorado Rockies' Larry Walker. Walker barely missed becoming the first Triple Crown winner in baseball since Carl Yastrzemski in 1967. In 1998, Henderson and Valenzuela were gone, but newly acquired from the 1997 World Series champion Marlins, pitcher Kevin Brown had a sensational year, his only one with the Padres. And outfielder-slash-slugger Greg Vaughn hit 50 home runs, overlooked in that season of the Mark McGuire-Sammy Sosa race. Managed by Bruce Bochy and aided by the talents of players such as Tony Gwynn, Ken Caminiti, Wally Joyner, Steve Finley, pitcher Andy Ashby, and premier closer Trevor Hoffman, the Padres had their best year in history, finishing 98-64 and and winning the NL West division crown. In the next year, the team owners would make a bid to have the city of San Diego construct a new stadium for the Padres. To guarantee that the city fathers would vote in the affirmative, the Padres recruited a record number of players for the 1998 season, most of whom would become free agents in 1999. Therefore, they would have the best incentive to have a successful season, to get the best contracts possible, potentially with other teams in 1999. This gambit was completely successful. The Padres had a record season, the new ballpark was approved, most of the stars in 98 left, and the team would have a lackluster year in 1999. The Padres defeated the Houston Astros in the 1998 NLDS three games to one, behind solid pitching by Brown and Hoffman, and the home runs by Greg Vaughn, Wally Joyner, and Jim Lyritz. In the 1998 NLCS, the Padres faced the Atlanta Braves, who had won the National League East with an astonishing 106-56 record. The offense was paced by talents such as Andres Galarraga, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, and Javi Lopez. Their pitching staff had the perennial big three of Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and John Smoltz, as well as Kevin Millwood and Danny Neagle. However, it was the Padres that would prevail, four games to two with ace Kevin Brown pitching a shutout in game two. Steve Finley caught a pop fly for the final out as the Padres clinched the series. In the 1998 World Series, the Padres faced the powerhouse New York Yankees, who had steamrolled through the season with a 114-48 record and drew acclaim as one of their greatest teams of all time. There was no offensive player with more than 30 home runs in contrast to the teams of the 1920s or 1950s, but they had four players with 24 or more and eight with 17 or more. Yankee pitching had been paced by David Cohn, Andy Pettit, David Wells, Hideko Irabu, and Orlando Hernandez. Mariano Rivera, their closer, was excellent once again. The Yankees swept the Padres in four games. Mariano Rivera closed out three of the four games. One of the few bright spots of the series for the Padres was a home run by Tony Gwynn in Game 1 that hit the facing of the right field upper deck at Yankee Stadium and put the Padres ahead briefly 5-2. But the Yankees would score seven runs in the seventh inning en route to a 9-6 victory. The World Series lost by the Padres was the only time during the Yankees dynasty of the 1990s that they did not revive the rivalry between the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves. 
Three of the four Yankees championships during their dynasty came against either team, 96 and 99 against Atlanta and 2000 against New York. Entering the 99 season, some instrumental players to the 98 World Series team were gone. Remember, they only signed one-year contracts so that we could build a stadium. Brown, a free agent, signed the biggest contract in baseball history with the Dodgers. Finley signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Caminiti won the Houston Astros. Vaughn and utility man Mark Sweeney were traded to the Cincinnati Reds for left fielder Reggie Sanders, infielder Damian Jackson, and pitching prospect Josh Harris. Starting pitcher Joey Hamilton was traded to the Blue Jays for pitchers Woody Williams and Carlos Almanzar. The Padres opened the 1999 season in Monterey, Mexico versus the Colorado Rockies with a completely different team than the one they had in the 98 World Series. On August 6, 1999, Tony Gwynn caught his 3,000th hit, a single against the Montreal Expos at Olympic Stadium. On October 7, 2001, in a post-game ceremony at Qualcomm Stadium, Tony Gwynn made an emotional farewell to the team that had been his only major league home. In the game played that day, Ricky Henderson, who in the meantime had rejoined the Padres, collected his 3,000th major league base hit, a double. Gwynn struck his final major league hit, also a double, in the previous game. He was the head coach of the San Diego State University Aztecs, his alma mater from 2003 to 2014. He was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame on July 29, 2007. On June 26, 2014, Gwynn died of salivary gland cancer. Also in 2001, Dave Winfield became the first player to be elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame as a Padre. After five straight losing seasons in Qualcomm Stadium, 99 and 2003, the Padres moved into newly built Petco Park. Petco Park is situated in downtown near San Diego's Gaslamp District, the main entrance located just two blocks from downtown terminal of the San Diego Trolley light rail system. With new amenities and a revitalization of the downtown neighborhood, fan interest renewed. Modeled after recent successes in downtown ballpark building, such as San Francisco's AT&T Park, and incorporating San Diego history in the form of the preservation of the facade of the historic Western Metals Company building, now the left field corner, the corner of the building substituting for the left field flagpole. The new Petco Park is a sharp contrast to their previous home at Qualcomm, which was a cookie cutter type football baseball facility located in an outer, mostly commercial industrial area of the city near an interstate interchange. With the ocean air prevalent and a sharp, clean park to play in, the Padres began to win again. The new stadium also acquired a reputation as a pitcher's park, with notable complaints from some of the Padres' batters themselves, deep center field and evenings with dense, foggy air. The Padres finished the 2004 season with an 87-75 and record, good enough for third in the NL West. The team somewhat rebranded itself going into the 2004 season with new colors, navy blue and sand brown, new uniforms and a new advertising slogan, quote, play downtown, end quote referring to the near downtown location of the new ballpark. One of the breaks at the center plaza of Petco Park was secretly purchased by the people for the ethnical treatment of animals, an animal rights organization that has protested the breeding and purchasing of the animals sold at Petco stores. The brick reads, quote, break out your cold ones, toast the Padres, enjoy this champion organization, end quote. The first letter of each word is really an acrostic urging people to boycott the store. In 2005, the Western Division Champion Padres finished with the lowest ever winning percentage for a division champion, or for that matter, a postseason qualifier, in a non-strike season, 82-80. and 80. 
Three teams in the Eastern Division finished with better records than San Diego but failed to qualify for the playoffs, including second place Philadelphia, which won 88 games and all six of its contests with the Padres. There had been some speculation that the Padres would be the first team in history to win a division and finish below 500, but their victory over the Los Angeles Dodgers on September 30th gave them their 81st victory. In the 2005 NLDS, the reigning National League champion St. Louis Cardinals, who finished the season with the Majors' best record, swept the Padres in three consecutive games. Thus, the Padres finished the season with an overall regular and postseason record of 82-83, and the first postseason qualifier in a normal length season to lose more games than it won overall. The 2005 Padres featured bright spots, however, including ace pitcher Jake Peavy, the NL strikeout leader and closer Trevor Hoffman, who claimed his 400th save. The Padres started April 2006 with a 9-15 record and were stuck in the cellar of the NL West. However, after going 19-10 in May, the club moved into first place in the division. Closer Trevor Hoffman was elected at the 2006 MLB All-Star Game in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, threw one inning in that game and got the loss. On September 24th, the last home game of the regular season, Hoffman became the all-time saves leader when he recorded his 479th career save, breaking Lee Smith's record of 478. Hoffman's 2006 campaign was one of the best. 2.14 ERA, 46 saves and 51 opportunities through 65 games pitched. The 2006 Padres would attribute their success largely to the team's pitching staff. Their ERA was 3.87, first in the NL, and training only the Detroit Tigers in all of MLB. On September 30, 2006, the Padres clinched a playoff berth with a 3-1 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. In the final game of the season, the Padres defeated the Diamondbacks 7-6 to win back-to-back -back division titles for the first time in team history. They were tied with the Dodgers for the division title, but because of winning the season series against them, the division title went to them and the wild card win of the Dodgers. The final out of the final game of the 2006 regular season confirming the Padres as division champions was a highly unusual play. With Trevor Hoffman pitching the ninth, two-out Diamondback Chris Young was on first. Alberto Caliaspo hit a grounder past first. Second baseman Josh Barfield fielded and threw wildly to first, forcing Gonzalez to come off the bag. However, Gonzalez then threw to Khalil Green at second, beating but not tagging Young. Second base umpire Larry Poncino initially called safe because of the no tag, but Padres manager Bruce Boshi successfully argued that the force play at second did not need a tag to be declared out. The game and the season ended with a changed call. TV replay, however, clearly showed that Green was off the bag as well, so the original call may have been correct. This call, understandably, was greeted by a long and loud chorus of boos by the Diamondback fans who packed Chase Field to bid farewell to Luis Gonzalez. Only 53 teams in the modern era have posted sub-500 records in April and survived to make the postseason. The San Diego Padres achieved the feat in both 2005 and 2006. The Padres opened the 2006 National League Division Series at home against the St. Louis Cardinals on Tuesday, October 3rd, 2006. After losing the first two games at home, 5-1 and 2-0 respectively, they won Game 3 at Bush Stadium 3-1, but were eliminated with a 6-2 loss in Game 4 when the Cardinals, who trade 2-0 before their first at-bat, scored 6 unanswered runs for the win. After the end of the 2006 season, the Padres had an overall postseason record of 12-22, losing 10 of their last 11 games since winning the National League pennant in 1998.
One key offseason trade between the San Diego Padres general manager Kevin Towers and the Texas Rangers general manager John Daniels would prove to have a dramatic impact on their 2006 season. The Padres dealt starting pitcher Adam Eaton, middle reliever Akimori Utsuka, and minor league catcher Billy Killian in exchange for starting pitcher Chris Young, left fielder Termel Sledge, and first baseman Adrian Gonzalez. Gonzalez would take over the everyday duties at first base, batting 304 with a club leading 24 home runs and 82 RBI in his first year as a full-time starter. Sledge would hit 229 in limited major league action. Chris Young proved to be the real story, however, as he would go 11-5 with a 3.46 ERA, 6th best in the National League, and allow just 6.72 hits per 9 innings pitched, best in the majors. 2006 also ended up being the last year of Bruce Bochy's tenure as the manager of the Padres, taking the managerial position for their division rivals, the San Francisco Giants. He was replaced by Bud Black, a San Diego State University alum and former pitching coach of the Los Angeles Angels. On Sunday, April 1st, 2007, Major League Baseball 2007 opening night, the Padres announced that they had agreed to terms on a four-year contract with first baseman Adrian Gonzalez, keeping him in San Diego until 2010, with a club option for 2011. Prior to this contract agreement, the Padres had offered to renew Gonzalez's contract during the offseason at $380,500, only $500 over the league minimum for the 2007 season. The Padres' 2007 season began April 3rd in an away game against the San Francisco Giants, winning at 7-0 in front of the capacity crowd of 42,773 at AT&T Park, defeating $126 million staff ace Barry Zito in his Giants debut. The Padres' bullpen continued to be the team's strength as in recent years, opening the season with a 28.5 scoreless innings, a major league record to start a season. At the start of the season, the Padres starting rotation order was as follows, Jake Peavy, Chris Young, Clay Hensley, Greg Maddox, and David Wells. On June 4, 2007, Jake Peavy was named NL Pitcher of the Month after going 4-0 with a .79 ERA in May. The next day, Trevor Hoffman was named the quote, DHL presents the Major League Baseball Delivery Man of the Month Award, end quote, for May 2007. The award recognizes the most outstanding relief pitcher during each month of the regular season. On June 6, 2007, Trevor Hoffman became the first pitcher in Major League history to record 500 saves, 498 of them coming as a Padre. The first two were as a Florida Marlin. On September 23, 2007, Milton Bradley tore his right ACL while being restrained by Padres manager Bud Black during an altercation with first base umpire Mike Winters. Home plate umpire Brian Runge reportedly told Bradley that Winters said that Bradley had tossed his bat in Runge's direction in a previous at-bat. After Bradley reached for space, he questioned Winters about the alleged bat throwing and subsequent communication with Runge. According to Bradley and Padres first base coach Bobby Meacham, Winters used a profanity towards Bradley. Bradley then moved towards Winters. While restrained by Black, Bradley fell to the ground resulting in the injury. He missed the last week of the regular season in 2007 during which the Padres relinquished their wildcard lead, ultimately losing to the eventual NL champion Colorado Rockies in a one-game playoff. The Padres ended the regular season in an 89-73 tie for the NL wildcard with the Colorado Rockies. In a cruel piece of irony, on September 29, 2007, the Padres were within one out and one strike of clinching the National League wildcard berth, but Tony Gwynn Jr., son of longtime Padres legend, tripled against Hoffman to tie the game. 
The Padres went on to lose that game and the one that followed even though the Milwaukee Brewers had been eliminated from the pennant race and had nothing left to play for. The Padres then met the Rockies on October 1st, 2007 in Denver for a one-game playoff to decide the wildcard winner. Despite having Jake Peavy start the game and bringing in Trevor Hoffman in the bottom of the 13th inning to try to hold an 8-6 lead, the Padres season ended when the Rockies rallied to win 9-8. It ended on a controversial call on a sacrifice fly where many questioned whether Matt Holliday ever touched home plate, leaving Padre fans saying, Holliday never touched home. The umpire of that game claimed that the catcher, Michael Barrett, was blocking the plate before he had possession of the ball. Therefore, Holliday was ruled safe. On November 15th, Jake Peavy won the National League Cy Young Award by unanimous ballot. He was the fourth Padre to capture the pitching award. The Padres entered the 2007-2008 offseason with a number of questions, including the ability of Trevor Hoffman to close games past his 40th birthday. The ongoing inability to hold runners on base, the Padres caught stealing ratio in 2007 was one of the worst in baseball history, two holes in the back of the starting rotation, and the possible departure of Mike Cameron of free agency. The two holes in the rotation were filled by former Dodger Randy Wolf and Mark Pryor, and the club dealt for Jim Edmonds to replace Cameron. Additionally, Milton Bradley was signed by the Texas Rangers. The Padres signed Mark Pryor to a one-year deal in the offseason. Pryor, a University of San Diego high school graduate, now Cathedral High School, joined a team that consisted of players that were also local prep stars. Brian Giles, Granite Hills High School, Adrian Gonzalez, Eastlake High School, and Oscar Robles, Montgomery High School. Recent Padres teams had also included Dave Roberts, Rancho Buena Vista High School, David Wells, Point Loma High School, and Marcus Giles, Granite Hills High School. The Padres started the 2008 campaign March 31st in San Diego against the Houston Astros and won the series 3-1. 2007 All-Star Chris Young pitched in the second game of the season, a 2-1 win, and Trevor Hoffman, the game's all-time saves leaders, wrapped up the ninth for the save. The Los Angeles Dodgers came into town and took 2 out of 3. 2007 Cy Young winner Jake Peavy picked up the only win during Dodgers series. At the end of the opening homestand, the Padres were 3-3. Three three. They traveled to San Francisco hoping to fatten up on former manager Bruce Bochy's Giants but the now bondless Bay Dwellers took two of three. In Los Angeles, the Padres won two of three, pushing their record back to 500. On April 17, 2008, during the series against the Colorado Rockies at Petco Park, the Padres played the longest game in team history. In terms of innings, 22, losing two to one. The game was the second longest in team history in terms of time, played in six hours, 16 minutes. The game was a minute shorter than the longest game in terms of time played against the Houston Astros in 1980. Following the game which sapped the team's bullpen strength, the Padres stumbled, dropping games at home where they struggled to score runs and on the road where they committed uncharacteristic errors and failed to hold leads. Returning home after a humbling three-game sweep in Atlanta in early May, the Padres cut Jim Edmonds, the Cardinals castoff who had been brought in after the Padres failed to sign Mike Cameron to a new deal in the offseason. With former Indian Jody Garrett now in center, the Padres won the three-game weekend home series with the Rockies and motored to Chicago with the hopes of winning three of four to get the season back on track. Instead, the Cubs, with Jim Edmonds in center, won three of four and booted the Padres from the Windy City into an interleague series with the Mariners, their Peoria, Arizona spring training neighbors. The Mariners used speed and a late-inning burst of power from Adrian Beltre in one game to win the series and shove the Padres deeper into their early season hole. 
After sweeping the Mets in a four-game series that ended on June 8th, the Padres climbed to seven games back off first-place Arizona. They sweep put the Mets seven and a half games behind the first-place Phillies, sending the Padres and Mets expansion teams in the 1960s in different directions. The Padres won two of three games in a series against the Dodgers at Pickle Park. There was talk in San Diego that the Padres had a serious chance to get back in the race in a week NL West. A road trip sent the Padres to play the Indians in Cleveland where they lost two of three games. During the final trip to Yankee Stadium, the site of Tony Gwynn's Upper Deck World Series blast, the Padres were swept. They returned to Petco and dropped two of three to the Tigers. They were then swept by the Twins and Mariners. Returning to National League competition did not help much as Padres lost two of three in Colorado to the Rockies. Powered by former Diamondbacks outfielder Scott Hairston, the Padres won two of three in Arizona. The team could not sustain the momentum, however, and they lost 2-3 of three to the Marlins at Pickle Park. In the last series before the All-Star break, the Padres lost 2-3 of three to the Braves. Adrian Gonzalez represented the Padres at the All-Star game at Yankee Stadium, going 1-3 with an RBI. Gonzalez made a nice scoop on a throw from catcher Russell Martin during a tense moment late in the game, but he struck out with a chance to drive in the go-ahead run late in the game. According to media reports, Gonzalez was asked during the All-Star game media session what it would take for the Padres to make the playoffs. He said 30 wins. When the interviewer asked if he thought that was possible, Gonzalez glared at the interviewer and did not answer the question. On July 17th, the Padres traded former San Diego State player Tony Clark to the Diamondbacks for minor league pitcher Evan Scribner. Following the All-Star break, the Padres continued to struggle, getting swept in a four-game series in St. Louis and losing two of three to Cincinnati. A trip to Pittsburgh proved to be the tonic the team needed. The Padres won 3 of 4 in the Steel City, and during the series, the Pirates traded former Padre underachiever Xavier Nady to the Yankees for prospects. Back home, the Padres won the first game of the series against the division leading Diamondbacks. The win gave Greg Maddox 351 career wins, and he tipped his hat to the crowd when he left with a lead late in August. Later, the team parted ways with Greg Maddox by trading him to the Los Angeles Dodgers. As this disastrous season started to come to a close, questions about the coaching staff started swirling like crazy. In mid-September, hitting coach Wally Joyner resigned due to the team's lackluster offense and a difference in philosophy with upper management, mostly with CEO Sandy Alderson. It seems that Joyner beat the Padres to the punch as he was likely to be replaced at the end of the season. The team finished off a 63-99 season on September 28 with a 10-6 loss to the Pittsburgh Pirates finishing 5th in the NL West, 21 games behind the division leader Los Angeles Dodgers. On September 29th, the team renewed the contracts of manager Bud Black, pitching coach Darren Balsley, bullpen coach Daryl Ackersfield, third base coach Glenn Hoffman, brother of closer Trevor Hoffman, and first base coach Rick Renteria. Only bench coach Kreb Colbert was not renewed, and because of Wally Joyner's earlier resignation, the team had no hitting coach to bring back. On October 10th, the Padres offered Trevor Hoffman a $4 million salary for 2009, plus a $4 million club option in 2010. Then on November 11th, the Padres withdrew the $4 million offer to the all-time saves leader, making him a free agent. The Padres opened 2009, April 6th versus the rival Dodgers at home, losing 4-1 and splitting the four-game series. Then they swept the Giants, also at home in three games. Then they took two of three from the Mets to ruin the first series at City Field. In that series, Jody Garrett became the first player in Major League history to open a new ballpark with a leadoff home run. After the first three series, the Padres were tied with the Dodgers for first place at 7-3. and three. 
After the hot start, however, the Padres stumbled and were 25-25 as of May 31st. Early in the season, the Padres acquired Tony Gwynn Jr., son of franchise great Tony Gwynn from the Milwaukee Brewers. San Diego finished 75-87, fourth in the NL West, only ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Many preseason predictions picked the Padres in 2010 to finish the season in last place in the NL West. On August 25, however, the Padres were 76-49 and and in first place with a 6.5 game lead. A 10 game losing streak immediately followed. With a 3-0 loss on October 3rd, the final game of the season, the Padres were officially eliminated from playoff contention and the eventual World Series champion San Francisco Giants won the division. The Padres led the NL West for 148 days in 2010. Adrian Gonzalez would have been in the last year of his contract in 2011, but the Padres were not going to meet Gonzalez's open market value, especially with Jeff Morat's purchase of the Padres from John Moores not completing until around 2013. On December 6, 2010, Gonzalez was traded to the Boston Red Sox for a package of right-handed pitcher Casey Kelly, first baseman Anthony Rizzo, outfielder Raymond Fuentes, and a player to be named later, who would end up being Eric Patterson. After the 2011 season, general manager Jed Hoyer left the Padres to join the Chicago Cubs. Josh Burns was promoted from senior vice president of baseball operations to replace Hoyer. Burns made two big trades in the offseason. He traded Rizzo to Hoyer's new club, the Cubs, in a four-player trade that brought right-hander Andrew Kashner to the Padres. Burns also traded young ace Matt Latos to the Reds for starting pitcher Edinson Volquez and prospects Yonder Alonso, catcher Yasmani Grandal, and pitcher Brad Boxberger. Former Reds general manager Jim Bowden commented that the Padres clearly won the trade with the Reds, saying, quote, In modern times, I can't remember a trade that was this far lopsided. End quote. In March 2012, Morad withdrew his application to complete the full purchase of the Padres. He stepped down as CEO of the Padres later that month, but remained with the team as vice chairman. Media outlets including UT San Diego, Fox Sports, and Associated Press speculated that Morad was short of the needed support of 22 MLB team owners to complete the purchase of the Padres. Morris declared that the entire team was up for sale again in April, citing the good opportunity in the market after the record $2 billion sale of the Los Angeles Dodgers. In August, MLB approved Moore's $800 million sale of the Padres to a group led by beer distributor Ron Fowler that included four heirs to the O'Malley family, who owed the Dodgers for five decades. The sale completed on or before August 28, 2012. As much as $200 million of the sale price included the team's 20% stake in Fox Sports San Diego. Members of the O'Malley family include Kevin and Brian O'Malley, who are the sons of former Dodger owners Peter O'Malley and grandsons of Walter O'Malley, the owner who moved the Dodgers west from Brooklyn after the 1957 season. Peter and Tom Sadler are nephews of Peter O'Malley. Fowler was named the ownership's group's executive chairman and was named the Padres' representative in all league meetings. He was the first locally-based control person of the team since founding owner C. Arnhold Smith. As of 2014, the Reigns were handed to A.J. Preller as a general manager of this organization. While striking impressive moves by bringing on Matt Kemp, James Shields, and Justin Optin, while striking impressive moves by bringing on Matt Kemp, James Shields, and Justin Upton, among others, the Padres remain towards the bottom of the NL West and cannot compete with the likes of the Dodgers and the Giants. They are currently at a crossroads as it is time to examine whether it is best to continue following the current path or to hit the restart button once again. In the immediate future, the Friars have the 2016 All-Star Game to look forward to at Peckle Park. 
The number of Padres that will be representing at this game, however, could cast a shadow on the entire event for the team. Thank you for listening to the Sports Team Histories podcast. On next week's episode, we go across the pond and look at one of Spain's premier soccer franchises, FC Barcelona. <laughs>